Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. And good morning to everyone who is watching online as well. If you're watching online, write something in the comments so that we know who is with us. Um, we have awesome small groups here at our church. Um, we have a small group that meets at 10 that's for people that don't have a Sunday school class. We're like a misfit group, and we have so much fun. Uh, we're doing a group called Love Does. But guess what? We're not meeting today. We're going to be outside at Donkeys and Donuts at 10 o'clock. So um, you might want to check if you go to a different Sunday school class and see if they're meeting. So we, this week, we are really busy here at the church. We have Holy Week noon services every day, Monday through Friday. They start at 12.05. Um, so Monday, we have, um, we have Woody Wooten, who is uh, at the Upper Sand Mountain Parish. He's a lot of fun. We have Tony Jones on Tuesday, who runs Camp Sumatanga. Uh, we have our district superintendent here on Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday, we have the children's director and the youth director at Christ Central Church. So these are really uh, great services that you can be a part of. And every day after the short service, there's a lunch at 12.30 for $5. So they're great. This Wednesday night, uh, the 13th, Catherine, the kids are having nachos and Nerf war. So it's going to be absolutely awesome. And uh, if you don't want to get hit by Nerf guns, then don't go in the gym this Wednesday. So Pastor Sam's going to have a Bible study. Harriet has a class. And the youth, we're going to recreate the Last Supper. It's going to be awesome. That's this Wednesday. Thursday, we have a 6 p.m. Uh, Monday Thursday service with communion at 6 p.m. Friday, we have a Good Friday Tenebrae service at 6 p.m. And then Saturday is our Easter egg hunt from 11 to 12 here at the church. Invite everybody you know. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and then Sunday, of course, is Easter. So we have our services at 9 and 11, but we also have our sunrise service, which will be virtual. It's going to be online only. And uh, our friend who is a minister in Poland who has been helping with refugees is going to be part of that as well. So that's really, really exciting. This is my last announcement. The average United Methodist uh, church member invites somebody to church once every 38 years. So uh, it's Easter time. If you invite your neighbors, guess what? They all want to come to church on Easter. So invite your neighbors this week to come to church to be a part of the awesome things that are going on here. They'll love it. They'll love it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we get to worship you this morning. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we will follow that good morning up with a stand and sing with us this morning. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. Every chain will break. His broken hearts declare His praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. the gates, make way before the King of Kings, God who comes to save, is here to set the captives free, who can stop the Lord Almighty, our God is the Lamb, the Lion of Judah, He's
the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord?
Doesn't a praise band sound great today? That's Y'all can be seated. I don't know. Welcome to everybody. Welcome to you if you were worshiping with us online today. I don't know about you, but I feel the need for more handbell. Do y'all? Let's get our children up here and let them do a handbell for us.
Thank you all. That was amazing. They, I think they're going to go to Children's Church now. Thank you, Miss Catherine. Thank you, Miss Kelsey. Thank you so much. Children, that was great. Woo! And now that we've had more handbells, I think we need, I think we need more uh, offering plate symbols. Cameron, you can you give us more offering plate symbol? Yeah. All right. No, it is time for us to receive our morning offering. So I want to remind you that you can give online. You can always give online. You can give at our offering plates. You can, um, anyway, give your times and your talents. And things like this is what you get when you give your offerings and your time and your talents. And so I want to thank you for that. And let's pray. God, you're so good to us. And, and you give us so much. We just want to worship you with joy like these children do. And we want to, to give everything that we've got, including our time and our energy and our talents. And we want to do it all for your glory. So we ask that you'd help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the word here in the flesh, living among the meek and lowly. The voice of God is every breath, salvation of the world unfolding. Be up your eyes, see the Son of Heaven, Hosanna, Hosanna, pour out your praise, sing the name of Jesus. This is His heart upon the cross and from his wounds his mercies flowing and now the dawn put death to death and ever since that grace been empty
Okay, new favorite song. The praise band. That was awesome. I love it. Today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And you can follow along at home. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. It's going to be up there for you. And um, hear now the word of the Lord. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethage, at Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they were allowed to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Then those who went ahead and those following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few years back, there was a book that, that came out that I, that I kind of liked. It was called Joshua, a parable for today, written by Joseph Garzoni. And you might have read it, you might have heard of it. If you're interested, you can probably get it for about a dollar on Amazon because uh, it's, it's been around for a long time. It is, the idea is it's a modern day parable about what would happen if Jesus came to town in modern times. What would happen? And it has, it has this guy named Joshua uh, who, okay, spoiler alert, is, is Jesus come to town. And he's come to a little town called Auburn. No, not our Auburn. Some Auburn, I think, up in Pennsylvania, best I recall. And he lives on the outskirts of town. He is, of course, a stranger in town. And you know how small towns are. Who's this guy? He's not from around here. And he, he uh, works in his wood shop every day. And he goes to town uh, occasionally to, to get supplies. And he talks with the children. And, and I'm not going to tell you all the amazing things that happen because this new guy, Joshua, came to town. Uh, because you might want to read the book for yourself. But I got to thinking about that story when I, I, I thought about Palm Sunday from, from Mark 11. The, the story of Palm Sunday is the story about what happens when Jesus comes to town. Um, and it made me wonder also, what would happen if Jesus rode up into Gadsden, Alabama? Um, what would happen? So today I want us to kind of see what happened when Jesus went to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And, and then I want us to think about what might happen if he came to our town. And if, if you're watching and you live in another town, uh, what would happen if Jesus rode into Oconomowoc? Hi, Carol, my cousin. Um, so back then, uh, let's get some background on this. Back then, when Jesus was coming into town, he would have been making about a 14-mile trip, which would have taken me about three days. But, you know, um, but for him, they're walking along maybe half a day, most of a day's journey, and it was literally uphill all the way. Um, and uh, just before they got to Jerusalem, they stopped at Bethany, which would have been... Uh, a really good place to stop because it was a place where Jesus had some friends. Jesus liked to stay at their house and uh, you could get a little bit of a breather before you made the final uphill slog into Jerusalem. Back in Jesus's day, Jesus would have uh, had to 
go by Roman garrisons on the way in uh, because this was Roman-occupied territory. If you went today, the last time I checked, the last travel site I checked into, if you went today into Jerusalem, then you would be quarantined until you got a negative COVID test. But Jesus didn't have to do that. But, um, but I want you to think about Jesus' journey that day. This was his last journey with his disciples. Just let that sink in for a minute. It was his last trip with them. So it wasn't just any trip to town. When they were in Bethany, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead of him to prepare the way. And he said, look, I want you to go into Jerusalem. And you're going to find there a colt that has never been ridden. It's going to be tied up. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to untie it and bring it back to me. And if anybody says, hey, what are you doing untying that colt and taking it away? I want you to say, the Lord needs it. And everything will be all right. And so off go Peter and John into Jerusalem. And um, I often think about, you know, what, what people are thinking about when they're doing this. I wonder if Peter and John thought on the way in, if something in them thought, you know, we're about to commit Grand Theft Auto or Grand Theft Donko, or whatever it would have been. You know, we're, we're about to just walk off with somebody's donkey here. Or maybe, maybe they had been with Jesus long enough just to trust him and go with it. You know, even if it sounds crazy, just to trust him. And I just, just on a side note, I wonder if we've been following Jesus long enough to where we just, okay, Lord, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm just going to trust you right? I'm just going to go with it. So Jesus first coming into town, I want us to think about three big words. And I think these also apply about Jesus riding into town today, if he was riding into Gadsden, Alabama. One is preparation. That's the first big word, preparation. Because when Jesus comes to town, you can be sure that somewhere some preparations have been made. That's what Peter and John were up to. They were making preparations, weren't they? They were going ahead of Jesus. They were getting that donkey and they were bringing it back to Jesus. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that because I think Jesus made some preparations with the family that he was borrowing the donkey from ahead of time. Otherwise, just saying the Lord needs it would not have been enough for the people that were loaning out the donkey. But that was, that was Jerusalem. Let's just shift for a second to our day and time. What would happen if Jesus was coming into Gadsden? What preparations would we have to, if preparations are a big word, what preparations would we make for Jesus to come? I think our emphasis on prayer uh, it is important. We've, we've been doing all during the season of Lent, our 40 days of prayer. Uh, would we pray? Absolutely. Would we, would, we, would we pray ahead of time? Would we say, Lord, you're coming through, come by here? Uh, you know, this song has been around so much, it's turned into kind of a cliche. But um, someone's praying, Lord, kumbaya. Kumbaya actually means come by here. So come on by, Lord. We're praying. We're preparing. Would we be gathered together in his name, sort of like we're doing today? Because Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. Maybe that's part of our preparation is just to gather together in his name and worship. What other preparations would we make? Would we, would we be doing some of the things we've been doing during Lent? Would we... Would we be giving, giving up some things, maybe fasting in some way? Would we be making sure that our minds are filled with Scripture and, and that we are prepared in that way? Because I think when Jesus comes to town, somebody somewhere is preparing. The second big work, I think, is generosity. Uh, I say generosity because when Jesus comes to town, he might want to use some of your stuff. He might want to use some of our stuff, right? For a moment, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the owner of that donkey. Now, this wasn't just any donkey. 
Um, I can't tell you how excited I am. We have donkeys and donuts in the green space right after this service. So ugh, you, still got time to, you still got time to get here, right? If you want to get some donuts and donkeys, see the donkeys. This wasn't just any donkey. This was a donkey that was meant to be ridden by a king because it had never been ridden before. It was set apart for a special purpose. It would, it would have been, all livestock would have been valuable in that day, just like it is today. This was an extra special donkey. And, and for someone to just come and not even to leave a security deposit and say, you know, the Lord needs this. Oh, okay. Would have taken a special level of generosity. Um, it would have taken a special kind of attitude, really. And you know what kind of attitude it would have taken? It would have taken the attitude that everything belongs to the Lord anyway. This, this donkey, I mean, I call it my donkey, but it really belongs to the Lord, doesn't it? Generosity means for us that everything we hold, we hold loosely. Because there's nothing that we have that hasn't been given to us, including our own lives. We hold it loosely. And if the Lord needs to use it, here you go. Here you go. It all belongs to the Lord anyway. Well, that's Jerusalem, but how about here in Gadsden? Let's just say, okay, I'm about to meddle here. here. Let's just say you just bought a new car. I mean, it's still got that shine on there. It's still got that new car smell. Uh, you know, it sounds really good when you close the door, just a real tight thunk. And all of that cool stuff, you know. And let's say two strangers came to Gadsden and said, you know, we're going to need to borrow that car. What? It's my new car. We're going to need to borrow that car because the Lord needs it. I know that sounds kind of funny. And you think, oh, well, you know, come on. That doesn't apply to me. My car is old anyway. But... But what if the Lord wanted to use some of your money to get some ministry going? What if the Lord wanted to use some of your time to work with these kids? What if the Lord needed some talent that you have? Um, would you hold loosely to, to what you have with the attitude, Lord, it belongs to you anyway. I'm just going to be generous because it belongs to you anyway. Generosity is something that pays incredible dividends in our lives. If you want to think about it that way, what we give comes back to us in the form of blessings. I think this is one of the reasons, y'all, why Jesus went back. You know, when we get in, in Mark's gospel, we have Jesus coming into to town. Uh, I don't have a palm, but... Palm Sunday, yay, Hosanna. And he goes to the temple and he looks around. And then he, he leaves because it says he's getting, it's getting late. So he leaves. Which makes me curious, late for what? I think one of the reasons that Jesus left and then came back the next day was he promised that he would take the donkey back to the owner. Immediately. Mark has, the Gospel of Mark has everything is immediately but he promised that he'd take the donkey back immediately. And I think it was getting late. He wanted to keep his promise. He took the donkey back. That's what I think happened. He took the donkey back. And you know what? Whoever owned that donkey got back a donkey that was a hundred times more valuable than it had been before because the king of kings had written it. It was more valuable than a Cadillac driven by Elvis. I mean, it, it just increased a hundred times in value. Because when we give, it's given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Am I right? Jesus rode into town on that donkey that day. People spread their cloaks and palm leaves and branches out in front. And they said, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. And this is a quote, by the way, from an Old Testament book called Zechariah. 
But do you know, here's a, here's a trivia question. And this, we talked about this in Mosaic Thursday. So if, if you came to that service, then, then you're not eligible to answer this. Do you know what the word Hosanna means? It means save us now. It means save us now. It, it was all about the expectations of the Messiah coming, and, and it means save us, save us now. So that brings me to my third big word about, about when Jesus comes to town. We have, we have preparation, we have generosity. Now, this third big word, revolution. When Jesus comes to town, Jesus brings revolution. The words that Jesus was hearing that day were words of revolution. By saying Jesus is king, just think about it. By saying when Jesus is king, um, it, it was revolutionary. Because Herod thought he was king. Uh, the Pharisees thought they were in charge of the temple. But Jesus is coming into town. He's shaking things up. Jesus comes into town and he's got his agenda. Well, and they had their agenda too. The people shouting, Hosanna. They, they, they were saying, save us now. They, they went, Jesus, make all of our problems go away now. Uh, kick out the Roman occupation now. Save us now. Make our problems go away now, Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm a different kind of Messiah. My kingdom's a different kind of kingdom. So that was Jesus, and that was Jerusalem. Let's shift back to Gadsden. Jesus rides into Gadsden today. Jesus brings revolution with him. Would we have our expectations? Absolutely. Save us now, Jesus. Jesus, while you're at it, do something about these gas prices. Now, right? Am I right? And, and, and do something, you know, April the 15th is coming up, Jesus. I really, not, like, I really like to not have to pay any more taxes. I'd like to do that right now. And, and Jesus, while you're at it, let the Braves win another national championship this year. The World Series, again, repeat. Uh, where are my Braves fans? You know? Yeah. We would all have our own to-do list for Jesus. But... Jesus sets his own agenda. And revolution sometimes shakes things up in a way that makes us uncomfortable. You know who gets uncomfortable when you start talking about revolution? People who really kind of like the status quo. Who, who, because of power reasons, because of financial reasons, have invested interest in the status quo. So the crowd on that first Palm Sunday, they really didn't get that. They didn't, they didn't really get that Jesus was a different kind of Messiah and that he had a different kind of agenda and that he wasn't going to make all their problems go away right then. When we, um, we talked about the pattern for prayer the last couple of weeks about, about the Lord's Prayer and remember when we talked about praying thy kingdom come and how that's a prayer of cooperation. Your kingdom, Lord. Not my kingdom, your kingdom. And how when we said you pray, uh, thy will be done, it's a prayer of surrender. There's a lot easier to say than it is to really mean. So, Jesus comes to town, would, would we just take him on his terms? With, with his agenda and not ours? Man, that'd be revolutionary, wouldn't it? And did you notice that the revolution starts at the church? Well, the temple, but the church. The important point of Palm Sunday is that when Jesus comes into town, delight, fanfare, hosannas, but Jesus goes straight to the temple. And here's what it says in Gospel of Mark. It says he looked around at everything in there. And, and we know, right, that he's going to go back, he's going to flip over tables and drive out the money changers and everything. But when he looked around that day, what did he see? He saw 
table, money changers. He saw merchants that were selling animals to people who came in to worship at the Passover, really swindling them, taking advantage of them, turning his father's house into a den of robbers. That's what he saw. And the next, the next day he was going to come in and flip things over, upside down or right side up would probably be the best way to think about it. Revolution starts in the house of God. The church is where Jesus wants to start shaking things up with you and me. And I imagine Jesus riding into town and to Gaston. Jesus wouldn't stop at City Hall. Jesus wouldn't go to the... I don't know, to some business or school. I think Jesus would come right here to us, to the church. Maybe he would flip over some things. Right side up. Jesus came and brought revolution. Would that make us feel uncomfortable? Maybe. Would it afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted? Probably. Or maybe we wouldn't even recognize Jesus. That's what happens in the book in Joshua. Some people recognize Jesus, Joshua, and some people don't. When Mother Teresa was still living and working with the poor in, in Calcutta, she, she would invite um, she would invite poor women to come to the, to the Sisters of Charity where they resided and uh, just to have something to eat and to talk because she had a special heart for welcoming women who were in distress, especially uh, widows who didn't have anybody to care for them that were just kind of on their own or, or homeless women or unwed mothers whose families had shunned them and kicked them out. And... Uh, somebody asked Mother Teresa about why she did that, why she took in these, these women and, and ate with them and had conversations with them and gave, treated them with dignity. And she said that everybody she saw, all of, in all of those women, she saw Jesus in his most distressing disguise. Jesus in his most this guy. Matthew 25 when they said well when, Jesus when did we see you hungry when did we see you thirsty or when did we see you sick or in prison or a stranger and Jesus said well when you did it to the least you did it to me when you did it to the one and his most distressing disguise her most distressing disguise you did it to me. We have to use our imaginations a little bit today if we think about Jesus riding into Gadsden. Pastor Andy talks with the youth. He asked them, uh, if Jesus came, came into town, what kind of car would he drive? You know, And uh, what is, what's the most popular answer? A, a, a hippie bus so he could fit all of his friends in there. Um, maybe Jesus would borrow a car. Maybe he'd borrow your car. Hopefully we have been preparing ourselves during Lent for that. That's a big word, preparing ourselves. We talked about generosity a lot. We talked about an Alleluia offering. The letter just went out for Alleluia offering. We've talked about revolution, and honestly, revolution makes us a little bit nervous, doesn't it? If Jesus is going to shake things up, it might, it might shake things up with me. And we're talking about all this kind of hypothetically, really. But someday Jesus actually will return. That's our confession. That's our faith. That's what we say when we say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. We, we confess that we believe that Jesus actually will come back. Because we believe his promise that he said he would come. And we believe his promise actually that he said, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. So that instead of saying, what would we do? Jesus comes to town. We could say, what are we doing? Are we preparing our lives today? Are we offering everything we have in generously to the Lord's service? Are, 
Are we going to be a part of Jesus' revolutionary agenda? Are we going to make this place a place of prayer for all nations and all people and even ones that are in their most distressing disguise? Are we willing just to say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come, come and shake things up again. Come Lord Jesus, starting with me, starting with me. Let us pray. Lord, we know when, when you came to town, there was excitement that, that people who had, had been trampled on and taken advantage of and people who had been waiting and waiting and hoping were so excited at the possibility of, of their life being better and, and that people that were that were in control and, and had a super high investment in the status quo and, and people who were on the oppressing end were really nervous to the point of saying, how can we get rid of this? How can we kill this guy? But Lord, we want to welcome you. Even if we're a little bit nervous about what changes you might make, we want to welcome you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Would y'all be seated for just a minute? Got something special to do today. Our friend, our sister, one of our favorite people, Lori, is joining our church family today. We love, we love you and we love Genevieve so much. She's back there. Yo, G. All right. Lori is, uh, is moving her membership from another United Methodist Church. So, Lori, we just ask you this. Will you be loyal to this church and support it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Welcome to the family, right? Okay. All right. Two things um, after we have our benediction. Uh, one is come and, and, and hug or fist bump Lori and uh, welcome her to this family and we're so proud to have her. And another thing, don't forget, out in the green space, donkeys and donuts, y'all. I'm serious. All right. Now will you stand for the benediction? God, how thankful we are for what you do in our lives. When, when you come to town, we welcome you today, Lord. And we say, come and change things, Lord, starting with me. Amen.